Hello, you're listening to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. If some of our discussions and tips are working for you, why don't you grab a 15-minute call with us at ecommercecall.com. We'll see whether we can help scale your e-commerce business. We will quickly see if we're a fit or whether we can recommend someone else to get you where you need to go. The worst case is you'll have a fun 15-minute chat and regardless, you'll come away understanding a lot more about your business. Book a call at ecommercecall.com. Hello and welcome to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. This week, Ian and I are talking about recruitment and retention offers, the difference between the two, what's working for us now, and some of the discussions we're having with people in e-commerce sites right at the moment. There's also, for those of you who are interested, there is my training on GA4. I've started to set up GA4 and I'm starting to look at some of the tools and some of the reports that are useful for e-commerce sites. So if you're interested in that, that's available in the show notes. So grab a copy. And if not, let's get started. Hey, Ian, how are you? Good morning. Afternoon. Yeah. You don't how are you doing? It's morning here. I don't know yeah. what it is. It's got it's to that time of me. year in New Zealand where it's getting hot. And so I have to have the windows open. So if you can hear lots of birds outside. Well, I can. And I just said to you before we started, I said, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to sort those birds out. I'll have a talk, I'll have a chat, see if I can see it, sort them out. I think you, I think you've got, it's just a little record, music record. I think it's Alexa in the corner. I did notice the last time bird sounds came to the UK, like they, like the, I don't know whether I've got more used to birds in New Zealand, like loads of birds here in the UK, but like, I didn't see any birds. I really, you don't have many bird life anymore. It's shocking. Yeah, there's, there's a shame. Well, there's plenty here. Is there? I think so. <laughs> it's not something I, I consciously think about. Well, maybe look, I'm wrong. Look out the window. I suppose it's dark there. You can't see them. It's dark. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, podcast. We're going to do retention. No, actually, the first one. Yeah, retention recruitment offers uh, and talking about difference in those. And, and You mean and, recruitment well, and retention? Yeah, well, obviously, you've got to recruit a customer first, haven't you? So recruitment Yeah, well, you and said retention. retention and recruitment. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and obviously, when we say recruitment, we mean getting recruiting new customers, not staff. Yes. Yeah. And that's because I was looking at, I thought, I'll just whilst waiting for Ian, I'll go into Google and see if I can do a look at recruitment offers. And I was like, for e-commerce, it's all about recruiting staff. You can't find anything on there. So no, so it, was, it wasn't a help. But, but yeah, so it, 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 it's trying to work out, particularly at the moment, because I think some of, these, some of the big businesses we work with and our own businesses, like, if you've worked everything out, as long as you've got your recruitment offer working well, then everything else kind of helps. And and you, you kind of come up against the, you know, you, you want to recruit at a certain ROAS because you say, well, I need to recruit this ROAS. And the market, maybe say you need to recruit at seven ROAS and the market only gives you a five. Then you have to then go into work at your attention to kind of make your lifetime value higher and those kind of things. But you still have to have in your mind, you know, you should have your go-to recruitment offer and you should have your go-to retention offer and you should know yeah. what they are uh, essentially for any business. And any business we've really dialed into and scaled, 
they've they've got a very good idea of what those two offers are. It's like, well, this is what gets someone to buy the first time, and this is what gets someone to buy the second time, and it's almost as simple as that. And I, I think, think that yeah, and I think, I think yeah, they you are, go. They are like, I was just, no, I'm, I'm just in, I'm nodding along as you're mm. speaking because, you know, I, I don't know if we've seen many successful e-commerce businesses who've done well and have scaled well who uh, who haven't had a really good recruitment and retention offer like that's the thing they got well they did well mm. they knew how to recruit new customers and they knew how to get them to come back and buy again mm. and and i think it's quite relevant for a lot of people who are listening to this and the, re- the reason why I wanted to talk about recruitment and retention today, because often Mark and I would say, well, what, should, what podcast should we talk about? And really, I always like to talk about things that are happening at the moment, the conversations that I've been having, like that day or that week. And, and I had a conversation this morning with a, with a customer, an e-com customer, who, who I'm sure will be listening to this podcast, because mm-hmm. they do. And they, yeah. and, and they say, you listen to your podcast. Right? And anyway, we're talking about about recruitment and this and this this is the scenario so we've got it we've got an e-com business here that's doing i think probably about a couple of million and they they their minimum return on ad spend they need to their overall ROAS they want is they break even about 2.5 so they're making a little bit of profit on 2.5 so they break even at about 2.3 something like that and they've been trading for the last, you know, probably, well, since COVID ended and lockdown ended, they've been running at a, at a, at a ROAS of about one and sometimes less than that, like 0.8. So for every pound they spend, they're getting 80p back mm-hmm. or every dollar they spend, they're getting 80 cents back. And, you know, that, that, you know that, that's the first thing we've had to do because this business has come to us to help, to help them grow. It's to address we're not comfortable with you recruiting at a loss. We're not comfortable with that. It just doesn't work. So the first thing we've got to do is get your your ROAS up to that at least break even point, mm. which happens to be about two point three five. And this particular business, um, it's a great business. They're lovely, lovely people. You know, really, really like them. But one of the things that we've we've we we keep coming back to is the is the the, the complete absence of a recruitment offer and yeah. a retention offer. There is no recruitment offer whatsoever, and there's no retention offer in that business at all. Can I just and say something not, just be, just there? Yeah. And then people listening to this who've got a ten percent offer signing up for the email list, that is not a recruitment offer. So almost yeah. anybody listening to me is that if you think it, oh, I've got my recruitment offer ten percent. Like it's you don't have one, you know. No. So and in fact, it, this business, thank you. Yeah, this, this business that we're talking about now had a fifteen percent off welcome email offer, and lots of the businesses that we've been chatting to around this particular time, you're right. They have a ten percent or fifteen percent. It isn't. A, you, there's no point doing it because it's not enough. And the businesses that we're mentioning here, this particular one, it's their own brand. Okay, it's their own product. You know, yeah. it's not that they're, they're a reseller, you know. Yeah. And so so we're talking to this client and saying, look, you need to have a strong recruitment offer, you know. <clears throat> so I say, right, next week I want you to try to do an offer, to, to go into sale. 
for a mm. week. And they come up with a 25%. And I say, well, that, you know, that's just about enough. And bearing in mind, this customer can price it whatever they want to price it at. No one knows how much their products cost, mm. you know, because it's their own brand, their own stuff. So we do it at 25%. And at the end of the week, when we're testing the, the ROAS, and obviously you'll know we talk about a blended ROAS, that ROAS goes to 2.25. So bearing in mm. mind that we're on a 0.8. So this is a 2.25 of new customers. Yeah. So it's not existing customers. It's not, you know, oh, they all came and clicked on the brand. It's new customers that had not yet bought. They'd never bought before. Mm. So all of a sudden, do by doing nothing other than uh, giving ourselves a, a discount, a deal, you know, we've got the ROAS from 0.8 to 2.25 with a, with a fair, with a very, well. And, and so did they price up? Did they price up more they, to put it down, well, or was it just discounted? No, they didn't. They're, mm. they're running at a margin of about 65% anyway. Mm. So they said, that, look, we don't, we, they felt very, very reluctant to put the prices up. Two conversations. One client says, yeah, we put the price up all the time, and no one bats an eyelid. They mm. don't know. This particular client felt very unsure about putting the prices up. And the reason why I'm high, and I hope they don't mind me talking about this, but I'm highlighting it because I think if they're feeling this, and I know it's a conversation we have a lot, then lots of other people will be, will be thinking, you know, yes, I need a recruitment offer, but what should my recruitment offer? Should It's got to have enough teeth. How do I do it? If you're saying 10% off isn't enough, you know, what should it be? Yeah. And I said... But I think, I think we point. should say there, Ian, I think we should say that it's not always a case of just dropping in trousers and reducing, you know, discount. The offers can be three for twos or four for, yeah. you know, four for a hundred or, or things like that, or, you know, well, um, free gift with purchase. But I think that what we're looking for is, and what people miss is when they think of offers, they think about discounting and they think about the damage that's going to be done to the brand whereas actually the offer architecture is effectively the entertainment layer of the business it makes the business entertaining for the buyer when they're buying something and if you take your offer architecture away you're left with a shop that feels like it's shut sometimes and you've got to be well, careful it looks, yeah it looks pretty you know, and, mm. and, and I think you know, this particular brand is a fashion brand. Um, you know, it's a sports fashion brand. And, you know, in, in most cases, things that people are buying online, they, they emotionally want them. And they think, oh, yeah, I like that. I'd like to have that. I'd like to buy that. But they don't need it. You know, nobody. Mm. And it's the same with homeware businesses. You know, garden. You know, things in the garden, in and around the home. This particular, this particular one. You know, they emotionally want it, they like it, but they, they look for a rational reason to justify that emotional need. Hmm. And that's what the entertainment layer. That's the offer architecture. And yeah, I remember I said to the to the business this morning. I said, well, I'm going to I'm going to tell you a story about a customer that we met ten years ago, and. That customer at the time was doing, it was, another, it was a men's fashion brand and they were doing about £200,000 a year online. We sat around the table and they were part of a bigger business. So they had the logistics and the margin all taken care of. 
So it was a little bit easier. But I sat around the table with the client. I mean, you, you did as well. And we said, right, you've got three doors you can go down in e-commerce for your type of product. You can either go down the branding route, which is where you're going to go and sponsor G- GQ magazine. You're going to d- go and do film premieres. You're going to go and do a massive catwalk shows. You're going to go and you know, really sponsor athletes. Yeah, exactly. Big, big branding budget. Is that a door you want to go down? No. Don't want to do that. Okay. So the other door you can go down is have a, a, an innovative problem-solving product that's really, truly unique. It solves a problem that no one else solves. And, that, and that's where, let's say if it was sportswear, you might say this was some you know, incredible new material that, that shaped and bent in a way that made you could hit, you could, you know, you could hit the tennis racket much further because... You know, it gripped the, you know, it was a glove that, you know, something truly, is that something you can do? No, we, we don't have an innovative product. So you don't want to push the brand. You know, you haven't got any brand marketing budget and you don't want to, you haven't got an innovative problem solving unique product. The only door that's left is the door that we went down with that business 10 years ago where we made the brand look really good. So it looked good. We made sure that we resolved the anxieties around, you know, returning and, you know, no criminal returns policy and all the all the all those simple things. And then and we and we 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 played with the pricing architecture. And that 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 was the third door. It, it was the pricing architecture and it was the offer. And we mm-hmm. priced it in to be able to do a very compelling recruitment and a retention offer. That's the door we went down. Ten years ago, with that menswear brand, that that menswear menswear brand now is 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 not is knocking on fifteen million, and they 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 could have they could have done fifty actually, they could have gone bigger, but they they didn't they did they wanted to make a profit they, they you know all the way through. Fancy so, wanted to make a profit when they were I growing. Know. Gosh. So and I said you know, Mark, Mark, we've always said this, but we don't think you have a brand unless you you can recruit customers. Mm. You know, and I said to the business today, I said, look, what's your goal? Do you want to, do you want to sell this e-commerce brand? You know, do you want to come and get bought out by a bigger player in your market? Yes. Mm. So what, they, what, what are they going to be bothered about? They'll be bothered about can you, how many customers have you got? How big you, your mailing list? You know, how big is your house file? You know, how many customers have you recruited? You know, how many active buyers do you have? They're not going to worry about whether or not you, you know, you recruited a, you know, a 25% or a 30% off, it doesn't matter. You're trying can, to scale a business. Can and I it, add something you, else yes. to that? So you talk about those doors that we've gone through, and I was just, there's just one experience I've had with e-commerce businesses that's slightly different. That you're saying that, you know, you go either go and get the the influencer, the sponsorship, you go and do the um, um, the offer architecture, or I can't remember what the third door was. What was the third well, door? The in, well, you, the, the innovative, the innovative one. Yeah, the, yeah. In, yeah, the in, innovative, like truly innovative product. And that's what Apple has. Yeah. So if Apple, Apple don't need to do discounts because they have an Because it's always a launch. Product. Yeah, there's always a new launch. Yeah. And with that, if you take those launches away, Apple's Apple valuation yes. would, take, would, would plummet. So it's the other e commerce business that I've seen do well is one that is always riding the next trend wave. And 
So you'll see like there was a home, big homeware business that does this and they were always finding the next hot product that yeah. was coming out and then they were riding that wave and they would tend to like stop selling that product before the wave ended and go and get the next one. And that was kind of like their offer architecture in that they always had the next hot thing that you would want. So they didn't and have to discount that or do any offer with it because you know what? it was like... I think that's door number mm. two. I think that's the, yeah. it, that's the innovative new groundbreaking product. Yeah. equivalent isn't it yeah isn't it that, well it's yeah, always the trend yeah. and it and i think a lot of people like when covid was happening the lockdowns were, were happening everybody in e-commerce was on that wave and so everybody could sell like particularly if you were selling food online you were on a wave and you, yeah. you were on something trending and you didn't you could sell anything without an offer your offer architecture yeah. was door number two you were on a trend you're on a wave and I think you've got to Sorry, look your, at your... your e-commerce strategy was door number two. Yeah. You know, you didn't yeah. need an offer. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, you were riding the train. Everybody wanted your stuff. Yeah. Because the shops were shut, because everyone stuck at home, and it just went boom, didn't it? Yeah. So, like, just very simply, door number one, can you get someone very famous to use your product? Door number two, mm. are you riding a wave that, that, that everybody wants that few people sell, yeah? Or door number three, do you have to do it with offer, offer architecture? And yeah. I think those are the three doors, really, yeah. to scaling. And if you, and it's, it really is as simple as that. And so if you look yeah. at the, cu the customer that you're talking about, there's no way they're gonna go and sponsor a top athlete. There's no way they're gonna be able to ride a trend every single year, every single month to get some new thing coming out. So really they're left with door number three to build a scalable business. And the other thing I'll say is that, that I, I feel like with, with certainly with brands and, and, and particularly like when I was running, you know, any business I've run, you'll, you'll go from being a kind of like really boutique brand. And then on the other end of it is you're, you're a big business. So you're kind of doing, I don't know, like a million a year. And then the other end of it, you're doing 10, 15, 20 million a year. And between those kind of points, it's almost like no man's land. It's very difficult because you're kind of like not boutique, but not big. And it's difficult to get across there. But what you will get, what gets you across no man's land isn't necessarily the thing that will be in place when you're huge. So we'll see that with some of the big customers that we've grown, you know, into the high you know, 20 millions and things like that. The offer architecture that got them to their first million, to their first five million, is different when they're big. Mm. And I think there's this worry that you go, oh, if I have to do this to get that point, da, 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 then I'm always going to have to be that. And it's not the case. Because yeah. when you're growing, you, you build a brand by having great products and having them in the, in, the, in the hands of the consumer that the consumer is using. And that is where the brand is built. Like yeah. I've well, got you, like you a pair you, of you, Nike shoes. I don't, I don't remember whether I bought them on a deal or not. I just know they're good. No. You, you build a brand. I think to keep it even simpler than that, you build a brand by getting your products in the hands of the customer, i.e. getting them to buy it. Mm. You, know, you can't build a brand by looking good and looking like a brand that's bigger. You build a brand by being able to recruit customers. How do you recruit customers? Well, you've got to choose one of those three doors. And most of the people, I think, listen to this podcast. Of, of, of The third door is the, is the one that they should be going down 
because they can't sponsor an athlete or GQ magazine or whatever the equivalent massive big branded thing is in that space. They haven't got a truly innovative product that is running a trend or genuinely creating the trends. And um, the only one they've got to go down is that, 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 that offer architecture. Yet yeah, they're very, very reluctant to go down it. Mm. The Which, other thing is people kind of go, well, I'll go through more than one and I'll do a micro-influencer strategy. And I can probably count maybe one customer who's kind of been successful with that, like a lead, a leading with it. Like it's, yeah. it's really hard to do. It's very hard to do. The Amer- American one yeah. selling the hop, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it only worked for them because they got a subscription business so that they could yeah. kind of like, once they could recruit a customer, the customer lifetime value was so high that it paid for all that activity and coming through. So it's, yeah, it, it comes down to those things. And I, I think people make things so much harder for themselves because the way we've looked at it, I mean, obviously we're, we're very lucky that we've got access to, I don't know, we probably looked at 500 e-commerce businesses and we've probably still got 500 in our Google Analytics that we can see. We can see everything. We can see all the data. We can see the effect of things that are happening. And the worry that people have, we can see it in the data that often it doesn't happen. And I think that happens with a lot of worry. You think it's going to happen. You worry about something and the numbers are different. Because what we're looking for is a business that makes sense. All we're looking for in any business is how much does it cost to recruit a customer and how much does it cost to um you know, how much does it, do we actually get from that customer over time? And yeah, that's over it. A lifetime. That's the business. Yeah. The difference that's between the how much it costs. To, yeah, the, the, you know, the business is the difference between how much it costs to recruit a customer and what they're worth over a lifetime. And that gap is the business. Yeah. You know, and yeah. And, it, yeah, and like you say, the most important thing is I think this, the, the thing that gets you to year 10 million is different to the thing that gets you from post 10. And you can change. And I think the assumption is that if I recruit, if I recruit, if I have a good recruitment offer, that is a really good deal. You know, it's, you know, it's X percent off. Then I'm going to look like a discounter, and I'm, and there are people who are only going to buy during a discount period. Well, yeah. guess what? If you've baked it into your price, and they only buy during a discount period again, who cares? But you know, the you know the, I mean, we know the answer. You know the answer to this question, but. The average time people buy in an e-commerce business in 12 months. Yeah. It's shockingly low. Mm. The average time somebody buys in a 12-month period on an e-commerce site is 1.2. 1. 1.2 times a, a year. Here's another story, because going back to the entertainment layer of, of the business, like there was a, this guy called Alan, you probably know him up in Scotland, and he did a, an offer one week, and he did 30% off one weekend, did okay. Next weekend, he said, it's, it's my birthday. And he did 21% off. And the 21% off offer did way better because it tied into something they, you know, they got their attention and they tied into it and it came through. And it's, it has to be like people in capitalist societies, a big part of their entertainment of fun is buying stuff, even in B2B even in B2B. And if you have an offer, particularly if you have an offer, and this is the, the weakness of the 10% offer, because the 10% offer is like, give us your email some 10% off. There's no end to it. There's no deadline. Therefore, you know, it, it, it's less excitable. Like if you know it's Easter weekend offer, you know you've got to make a decision that weekend. 
and it's more exciting when you know you've yeah. got to do it. And it's you've got to have the offer architecture in the right way. Otherwise, it's a bit like the high street that you see in the, and the, the high street do it. I've overdone it so much now that when they put offers up, they just go, oh, 35, up to 35% off sale. And it's like, why? Why have you got a sale? When's it going to end? What What's happening? It's like they've lost, they've almost lost all of the, the reasons lost the credibility. why. And yeah. I think, this, I think the thing that people struggle with in this particular business you know, quite rightly was, was worried about was they don't want to look like a discounter because they said, well, if we look like a discounter, you know, we are, we're going to, we're going to look like all the other discount brands in our space who were selling stuff really cheaply. And, uh, you know, we're really going to devalue and, and dec- you know, remove the credibility and the desirability of our product. And obviously that's a very, very good point. Now, what we're saying is we don't want you to look like a discounter. We want you to keep, you know, the discount and the offers only work if you've built desirability, if you've built value and it's mm. the last thing. So if you think about the flow, you've got to, if it's a, I mean, this is, this is stuff. What I'm saying now is stuff that we said when we did the first podcast, I don't know how many years ago it was. Mm. We said that if you're selling a, a, a lifestyle product it's about creating desirability for the product yeah if you're selling a problem solving rational purchase like you know a, a, a tool set or a you know a replacement you know f- fridge hinge or a you know a, a car battery or whatever it's about convincibility that you can get that job done so yeah. remember lifestyle is desirability problem solving is convincibility so unless you demonstrate those two things, the offer doesn't work. Yeah, you can, like, if you have a good offer and you think, oh, I'm just going to put a good offer. And, and, and people on the 20K core do this. They'll put an offer on and they'll go, hasn't increased my conversion rate. And it's like, well, you've got to build desirability for the product first. You can't, you know, you, you can't sell ice to Eskimos. You say ice, ice 50% yeah. off all this ice. It's like, I don't want it. You have to have that desire there. Yeah. And so you've got to build something to leverage against. Otherwise, you've got nothing. So I think that what Mark and I are saying here is you, you must never lead with your offer. You must lead with the desirability and then you lead with the reducing anxiety. You know, mm-hmm. what are the friction points? You know, when's it going to arrive? What's the returns policy? What if I don't like it? What if it break? All those things. And there's always very specific anxieties in your space. Then you demonstrate, obviously, trust and credibility. And then right at the end, when you've done all of this, that's when your offer architecture comes into play. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's how it's how you it's what your off, what's your recruitment offer. It's how you it's how you promote it. It's how you amplify it. You know, and the, and the, and what we don't want people to think is that we're saying. You should look like a discounter, and that's what you should lead with, because that doesn't work. It's backdoor, and that fact that men's fashion brand that we got to ten, and then now is knocking on fifteen, twenty million. You know, we were very subtle with how we did it. We made sure that you you couldn't miss it, but we yeah. we made sure that we you never only saw, looked like yeah. discount. And also, you only saw the recruitment people who came in. They came in through the back door, and on the back door they yeah. saw the offer, but you wouldn't see it on the front end of the website. So if you were doing no. some 
due diligence and some looking at it. And that was also to do with the trade channel. We didn't want to upset the, upsell, upset the trade channel up until the point where we were doing so much revenue that we didn't care about the trade channel. So it yeah. was wholesale as well. And we did it. We used email. I mean, that, that, the simple thing was we got people's email. We had, Here's the welcome offer. In order to get the welcome offer, put your email address in here. They got their email, which was great. We grew the mailing list massively. And obviously that that gave them a unique coupon. And that mm. coupon then was applied and then it applied the offer. And that in a nutshell, you know, without getting there were lots of variances of that, little bits of subtleties, but in a nutshell, that's what we did. And that's what we've done on lots of other brands yeah. since. Here's another trap that people fall into. And I was speaking to um another guy in Scotland, sells a big business doing I don't know, millions, over ten million. Um and it was saying about how they were leading with you know, what we were doing for the environment. And there's another company here and they were like saying, you know, oh, we, we, we help people in Cambodia and the people who produce it are, you know, in wheelchairs and all that kind of stuff. And it's like that that's not your offer architecture. That's not your offer because it's like a Tesla. Like, no, Tesla didn't come out with a crappy electronic car and say, oh, buy an electronic car because it's electric. He came out with the fastest production car in the world that happened to be an electric car it was like it was a good car that happened to be better for the environment you know controversially whether or not it is or not who knows but it's it, it, you can't lead with something like that and you know we used to back in there was a company called people tree and they really struggled because that's all that they were leading with with the same kind of thing yeah and people say they're fair interested trade. in it yeah they say they're interested in fair trade up until the point when they actually come to buy something. And then you have to lead with the product and the product has to work. And then it has to, you know, it's like, oh, and it's also fair trade. Great. I'll buy it. But people don't tend to choose from that. And I've been saying to these businesses that, you know, yes, you want to help people in Cambodia. You want to do make a better world, but you've got to realize that that is for you as business owners that's for you. That's, that's the, that's the benefit you get for running a business because you feel I'm doing a good thing you get the benefit from that. The customer, sure, they, they care about it a bit, but you can't leave with it. They don't care enough to not get, you know, they, these guys are selling sleeping masks. It's like you're sitting there on an airplane with light pouring into your sleeping mask. You're not going to think, sit there and think, oh, thank God this is fair trade, um, even though I yeah. can't sleep. You know, it's like it still needs to be the best product and work. Mm. You know, you, what you want to sit is on, on, the, on the plane with a sleeping mask going, oh, this is a beautiful sleeping mask. Oh, and I feel, you know, it's pretty good that it's fair trade. Awesome, you know. But you've got to lead with the functionality of the product. You've got to lead with the desire for the product. And then you've got to realize that the stuff you're doing for, you know, the environment or the stuff you're doing for a, a community is mostly for you as the business owner. And that's how you've got to see it. Because um, you can't come out the business well, you've, you know, it's difficult to come out with a business and say, we're doing this, so come and buy this product. It doesn't work. Um, yeah. So if you think, sitting there thinking that's your offer architecture, it's not. It I guess people are it. thinking, no, you're absolutely right. I guess people are thinking in that scenario that that's almost like door number two, that we're yeah. the only company that's selling sleeping masks that uses, you know, that, that, that promotes... Um, you know, fair working practices. And they're thinking that that's enough. That's enough to make them, you know, go down the innovative, unique problem solving mm. door. Mm. But it isn't, is it? It isn't. No. no. It isn't. 
Um, it's just not it's enough just to move the needle. Small, it's a small part. It's just, yeah, it's a small yeah. part of it, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think the other one as well, that, that particular, I think is another business we were chatting about just before. Um, we, and they were saying that they, you know, they, they, they'd spent a lot of time educating the customers about what they were doing, what they were getting up to. They would create a newsletter and it took them ages, didn't it? There was an email that it took them like, you know, weeks yeah. to talk about the history story of what was happening in their business right now. And what, you know, Jane has, you know, had a baby, all, all those kind of things, which are really nice, but they were really taking a massive amount of effort and energy um, yeah. and not making any money for the business. People didn't really care about what was happening did they and no no you know and they actually they actually got higher unsubscribes from these engagement emails than they did from emails selling the stuff and this, the same thing happened to us you know you know look at the beginning when, when you know the big custom Ben's about customer you're talking about before when I was running the emails and writing the emails we used to do like we thought oh we can't send all the offers four times a month we need to break it up and we need to have engagement emails we need to have an email a blog talking about how to look after your suit and who's wearing stuff. And, and you that hear kind of that all the time from e-commerce brands, don't you? Yeah. And like, listen, I, did this, I did this literally big, 12 yeah. years ago and it didn't work then. Even then, like when email was like, you know, like people get an they, email, they, go, oh, they, got an email. They're the, they're the ones that they unsubscribe. Well, it just didn't they do anything. They unsubscribe to those and they don't make so any work. revenue from them whatsoever. I think it's just it's, it's a sense it's a sense from the brand that the brand you know we feel like our brands are loved by our customers and they're just sitting there waiting for us to, for them yeah. to hear from us and it's like no you're just you're one of probably 200 brands that they buy from and they have a preference for your product which they could change at any time and they yes they want to have relationships with brands and communities and you can build communities like that and that 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 works well, but is email the way to do it? Because the email has got no, there's no community element to email. It's not like a Facebook group or a circle group or a Slack community, those kind of things. Email's like one way and you can reply to somebody, but it's not, it doesn't build really community. And, no. you know, there are exceptions to this. You now I've got someone on the, the implementation program who, who does very good emails and builds a community with it and, and does well with it. But it's the exception and not the rule. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 Well, going back to what you said at the start, you know, choose which door you want to go down. You know, yeah. your, your brand in celebrity endorsement one. Yeah. Your product innovative one or your offer architecture one. Yeah. Be realistic about yeah. can you do number one? Can you do number two? Be be true to yourself. What have we got? Have we got enough in number one? Have we got enough, you know, mm. pumping in lots of brand? How can we get a celebrity to endorse us? Have and we I got think, that? I think that, that the key to it is is people used to ask me, like when I was running some of the early businesses, they said, well, what's unique selling point? What makes unique that people would buy from you? And that was, I always hated that question because I was like, well, I'm not unique. I'm doing something everybody else is doing and and I'll just try and keep on going. And really it was a difficult question, but 
what I didn't realize back then was that the, the reason that those, that question is hard to answer is because that is where all the money is. If you sit down and work out the answer to that question, that's where the lucrative, you know, the lucrativeness of it well, is. Well, because you're saying, why buy from you? Yeah. And not somebody else. And and the, and the number one thing that a lot of e-commerce businesses need to do is stop that potential customer buying from another competitor. They've got to mm-hmm. stop them buying from that and buy from you. They're stealing. They're going to grow by stealing market share because nobody, well, very, very, very few people will be unique in their market, only selling those types of products. Yeah. The, the vast, the, you know, the 99% of people will be existing in a space where a people don't actually need your products because you know they can make do with something else, and b they can go and buy from anywhere else. Mm. And often so, the the most difficult questions you have to answer are the ones you procrastinate about the about the most, and the things you procrastinate about the most are usually the ones where the biggest return is so if you're sitting there going i don't want to decide which door i'm going to go through because that's a difficult question it probably means it's the more actually super important for you to actually open that door because that's the difference between what you want to achieve and what you not want to achieve it's that simple so absolutely awesome yeah well okay. i'll let, let you go and watch some telly or whatever you do in the evenings and i'll get on with the day yeah, bit of Netflix. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Ian, I'll speak to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Mark. Cheers. Cheerio. Bye.